Glory to Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Bible is an alien universe. It is very distant from our current experience. And I don't just mean historically, because yes, we're talking about thousands of years ago in a galaxy far, far away. No, that's not right. <laughs> but it is a completely alien space for us because it gives us God's wisdom, God's plan, God's design, and it shows man wrestling with all of this. And we would be quite arrogant, or misguided at least, if we thought we could just pick it up and understand it like that. But the services of the church, our own praying and seeking after him, the tradition of the church guides us to understand, to reveal to us what God desires of us, what he created us to be. Part of this gap, this distance between now and the world that God shows us in the Bible is that we do not value at all even what was valued in the Bible. Throughout the Bible, there is put before us the example and the goal of wisdom. That you are to seek wisdom. That you want to become a wise person. In our day and age, we don't go around and say, maybe you do, but I don't hear this very often, that's a very wise person. Do you get uh, evaluated at work according to your wisdom? Anybody? Kind of? Okay, lawyers, priests, doctors, maybe a little bit. But everybody else, it's the utility or the pragmatic nature of what you do, right? What's your numbers? What's your output? How do you measure up according to what we can measure? We see that somebody is efficient, that somebody is practical, that somebody knows how to think on their feet. We praise especially somebody who knows technology, techne, right? Like who can create things, who can solve problems. But wisdom, we don't really talk about that as much. We have commemorations today for Job Pochayev and Moses the Ethiopian. Both monastic saints, both, both icons of wisdom. And if we look at their lives, we realize how distant they are from contemporary life. Job enters the monastery at 10. Moses goes through great ascetical acts after abandoning a life of being basically a bandit, a robber, a pirate. <clears throat> And we have readings that were assigned last evening for these saints that come from the Wisdom of Solomon, a book that, if you grew up Protestant, would not be in your canon because it was rejected around the time of the Reformation. But for 1,500 years before that, 
it was considered scripture and read within the church. And the wisdom of Solomon is a continuation, if you're familiar with the themes of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and other books of wisdom, about what it means to be a righteous and wise man, counterposed to the ungodly and foolish man. The wise man is the one who meditates upon the word of God, the law of God. We can think especially of the image from the Psalms because there's wisdom themes woven through the Psalms. And just Psalm 1, blesses the man who does not listen to the scoffers, who does not sit in the seat of the scornful, but he is, what's the example? What's the image of the wise man, the blessed man? He's a tree planted by the waters. Someone strong with deep roots. And what are the unrighteous? They're chaff, right? They're what is left over of the wheat that is blown, wind-driven chaff. This wisdom grounds the man because he is rooted in the eternal. He is rooted in God's wisdom. The foolish man, as the wisdom of Solomon is very clear, the foolish man is somebody who says, there is no eternal. There's no immortality. When we die, this is exactly the language from the wisdom of Solomon. When we die, that's it. Nobody's come back from the dead. Also the language of wisdom of Solomon. So there's nothing after this. So what do we do? What does the foolish man decide that he's going to do? Somebody said party. Yes. Party. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. That's not just a Dave Matthews band uh, lyric there. That's probably dating me a little bit. (laughs) The wise man, because the foolish man has decided, well, this guy, he's a fool, actually. The wise man, he is has his mind and his heart directed towards heaven. The foolish man, he decides, let's take advantage of this world. And in fact, the wisdom of Solomon, as it sketches what happens to the foolish man, because he's decided there is no afterlife, there is no judgment, there is nothing else, this is where he starts to take advantage of people. This is where he starts to oppress people. This is where sin comes in not just in the rejection of God, but then the chaos, the death, comes. Just like Proverbs, right? What do the foolish men call to the one who's trying to listen to wisdom? Come, let us shed blood. There's money to be had. In the midst of the readings from Wisdom of Solomon, this agon, or this, you could say agony, or this struggle between the righteous wise man and the ungodly foolish man we have God show up decked out in his armor with a breastplate with a helmet with a shield with a sword and he's sounding a battle cry I thought we were in wisdom literature what's going on why is God showing up arrayed like this The Lord will take his zeal as his whole armor and will arm all creation to repel his enemies. He will put righteousness 
as a breastplate and wear impartial justice as a helmet. He will take holiness as an invincible shield and sharpen stern wrath for a sword. And creation will join with him to fight against the madmen or the senseless. Shafts of lightning will fly with true aim, will leap to the target as from a well-drawn bow of clouds, and hailstones full of wrath will be hurled as from a catapult. The water of the sea will rage against them, and rivers will relentlessly overwhelm them. A mighty wind will rise against them. Like a tempest, it will winnow them away. In the midst of the struggle between the righteous and ungodly foolish man, God shows up ready for war. And it's not just him who's ready for war. He arms all creation to repel his enemies. And he sounds the battle cry. And creation itself joins with him to fight against the madmen, against the foolish men. Why is God in creation fighting? What is going on? In Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is the second telling of the law after Israel, before Israel is about to go into the promised land and they're being reminded because they've had some struggles in the wilderness. They need to be reminded again. Many talk about this as Moses actually preaching from the law. And towards the end, God, in making this covenant with Israel, he tells them, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, keep his commandments, his statutes, his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But... If your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. God sets before his covenant people, Israel. This is the way of life. This is the way of death. This is the way of good. This is the way of evil. And what it is at the very heart of this is the heart of man. The righteous man pursues the law of God The foolish man throws it off. And in fact, what he does is he takes creation. This is Romans 1, and this is all through the wisdom of Solomon as well. The foolish man, what he does in throwing off God is he takes creation and then he builds himself a God. Whether or not he's actually building an idol or whether or not he worships the creation rather than creator, as Romans 1 tells us. But he throws off everything that God has designed and planned. This is the path of death. And this is why God calls as witness heaven and earth. Because you and I, as Adam and Eve, 
We were created to be kings and queens. We were the royalty. We were the ones who are set at the pinnacle of creation to mediate between this world and the heavenly world. And so when we abandoned this calling, this position, heaven and earth, they want to rebel against us. They are, as Romans 8 tells us, they are subjected to futility. And they're awaiting when they will be freed into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. Again, we hear this theme in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord has spoken. Again, this is like a judgment scene. He's got witnesses. He's got the entire world around us. He calls them into the court. He says, hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not consider. If you've ever wondered why in the icon of the nativity there is an ox and a donkey in the cave, this is the reference. Israel does not know who the Messiah is. They're a little lost. They're a little confused. You know who does? The ox and the donkey. Creation knows who God is. But we're running around worshiping trees, worshiping money, worshiping fame, worshiping sex, worshiping whatever we want to put in that place. Very often we realize we put up a mirror, right? Because we worship ourselves ultimately. What we desire, what we think Because we have become foolish, abdicating our role as kings and as queens, as royalty of creation. And because of that, creation stands as a witness to us. The first chapter of the Wisdom of Solomon gives us this advice. Do not invite death by the error of your life, nor bring on destruction by the works of your hands, because God did not make death. He does not delight in the death of the living. For he created all things that they might exist. And the generative forces of the world are wholesome. He made everything good, right? The very beginning, he creates things and he says, this is good. And there is no destructive poison in them. And the dominion of Hades is not on earth. For righteousness is immortal. But ungodly men by their words and deeds summoned death. Considering him a friend, they pined away. They made a covenant with him because they are fit to belong to his party. Foolishness summons death. It considers death a friend. It pines after him like a lover pining for its loved one. It belongs to the party of death. Foolishness brings chaos. It infects and destroys everything from our country to our family to our institutions, even into our church. It's something that we, I think, many, very often we think of sin as me and God. I did something wrong. Maybe he writes something down or an angel writes something down using all these kind of popular things out there. But as we are painting this picture and the way that scripture talks about sin, 
Sin is an incredibly destructive force. It's also very deceitful because we like it, (laughs) because we desire it instead of God. And it brings in chaos. Slowly, surely, it undermines, it destroys. And if you think that sin can be just tolerated, that it can be just, that's okay, you are becoming, or you are, a fool. Because this sin destroys, not just you, but everyone and everything around you. This is why God shows up ready to go to war. Because there's chaos, there's death. And he wants the whole creation to join with him in fighting against this death and chaos. The wisdom of Solomon. Lawlessness will lay waste the whole earth and evil doing will overturn the thrones of rulers. Listen therefore, O kings. Wisdom literature is written as advice to kings, to royalty. Now, in Israel, that would have been, of course, to the king's family. But you and I, brothers and sisters, we're the royalty. This is written to us. Listen, therefore, O kings, and understand. Learn, O judges of the ends of the earth. Give ear, you that rule over multitudes and boast of many nations. For your dominion was given you from the Lord, and your sovereignty from the Most High, who will search out your works and inquire into your plans." One of the major differences between the righteous and the foolish is that the righteous realize that there's going to be an end and then there's life after that. The foolish have thrown off that idea. Ultimately, the foolish have thrown off the fact what righteous have accepted into their life from the beginning, that there's going to be a judgment, that God is going to search out our works, inquire into the plans And this is something that we need to live into every day. There will be a judgment. You and I are going to die. Or the Lord is going to return. And there will be a judgment. Now God comes and fights because God comes and fights for us. It's not just that he turns that sword of wrath, as it talks about in the wisdom of Solomon, against us, but against the foolish. So let us pray and seek wisdom. Let us change the values that have been put into us to reflect that world that we find in Scripture, what God has for us, the law of God, the law of heaven, so that we can, as the Psalms and as the wisdom of Israel tells us, to delight in the law of God, in his commandments, what he has told us, that they hold truth, and that these truths, God's word, upholds all of creation. As we see in the lives of Saints Job and Moses, that they, in their seeking after God, they found wisdom, they found immortality, eternal life, because God fought for them. He is with us, he stands with us, This is why we sing at Pascha, Arise, O God, and judge the earth. This is why we sing, Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. That's because he's with us. He stands with us. It's just we have to choose to fight with him, to be with him. 
The righteous live forever, and the reward is with the Lord. The Most High takes care of them. Therefore, they will receive a glorious crown and a beautiful diadem from the hand of the Lord, because with his right hand he will cover them, and with his arm he will shield them. When we stand with God, he will cover us. He will shield us. He will bring us into, as the Apostle Paul tells us, the glorious liberty of the sons of God. When he transforms all of this creation into the new heaven and the new earth, where everything is put to right, where those who have followed after him are finally vindicated, even though they look like fools in this world, they stand beside him, reigning in glory, returned to their place as kings and as queens. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.